0: we go. Okay, uh, hopefully you enjoyed your dinner. Uh, we're going to begin the second part of our parenting conference, which is a parenting panel. Um, before we do that, Zach is rounding up all of the folks who, uh, who helped prepare our dinner, so we're going to give them a round of applause, and I thank you when they make their way in here. Um, so. We're just going to sit here in silence and stare at each other until they do. All right. Hey, so before we get started, let me thank uh, Tammy Gentry and Miss Pat and Miss Laura for their work with dinner. They arranged the food, made the food, served the food. So y'all are great. I also want to thank Zach. Uh, Zach is the one who has handled all of the logistics and everything for this conference. And so uh, let's also give Zach a round of applause. Um, he actually handles a lot of logistical stuff in behind the scenes uh, for lots of the, the different things that we do, so I'm very thankful for him in that regard. So I'm also thankful for the uh, six people that you see behind me. Uh, they are going to make up our parent panel tonight, I'm going to let them introduce themselves in just a sec. I'll tell you who they are, and then maybe the first thing they can do is tell you uh, you know, what they do, their kids, how old their kids are. So we have a, we have a range of parents. Uh, at the older end of the age range are my in-laws, uh, Mark and Leslie Cushman. Um, all of their children, their youngest child is 38, okay? So, um, you know, they pretty much made it at this point. Um, <laughs> Next, I think, would be uh, Gary and Becky Gray. You may know them. Uh, Gary uh, was an elder here, and Becky was the music director here. Uh, And then, like, about two months after I took over as pastor, she said I quit, uh, and then moved to Birmingham. So still working through that one. Um, And then uh, a couple you may not recognize, Bruce and Sonia Stallings. Bruce is on staff at Briarwood Church as well. He's the executive pastor Sonia is his wife, and she is a kindergarten teacher at Briarwood? No, not. Retired. retired. All right. So, um, but we selected these folks, one, because they've meant a lot to us, uh, and I know to some of you as well, um, and they have gotten through the trenches for the most part, uh, and at least in two cases. We have grandkids, right? So, Um, you know, like they've, they've gotten one round through and are now the ones giving devices to their grandchildren and saying, don't tell your mom. So anyway, uh, we are going to, I'm going to let them introduce themselves and we'll just start from left to right. And then I will just kind of start asking questions. So what we did is we sent them questions ahead of time, uh, and I'll read some of those off. Some of you sent in questions and so they're included in this list, um, and then, as we wrap up, uh, I know some of you will need to, to get gone, but I'm going to ask them to hang around. If you would like to talk to them on an individual basis, if you have a more specific question, I'm sure they would love to talk more with you. So, everybody square on what we're doing? Awesome. Fantastic. All right. Stallings, you're up. Tell us Tell us about yourselves, your kids, where you are in life, all that good stuff.
1: All right. <clears throat> Let's see. I have no idea how old my children are. <laughs> And you laugh. I'm serious. That's why I have her. So, honey, tell them how old our kids are. I know that three of them are married.
2: Um, our oldest is 30. 30. His name is Jake, and he is married to Shelly. are Awesome. And then we have Kit, who um, is 29. 29. I know. How about that? Kit is 29. And then we have Ben, who is 26, who is married to Kathleen, and then Mary, who is 25, 25. She is married. I know, 25, and she lives in Atlanta with her husband.
1: Okay, so I know we had four kids in six years, so I do know that, and I know that Sonia was pregnant for 12 years straight, uh, what it seemed like, and so we, we had ours all together, and it's been, uh, it's been a blessing. Uh, I will say that. It's been hard, but it's been a blessing.
0: All right. Mark and Leslie. You've got a mic. It should be. Um,
3: like us, we had ours close together. Uh, the youngest or the oldest, uh, many of you know, uh, the smallest and the youngest is, uh, do I tell your age? Okay, 41.
1: 40.
0: 41. Oh <laughs>
3: She's 41, and um, she has three of our grandchildren, and do I say our favorite son-in-law? Oh, yeah,
0: work. You can say that
3: while you're here. Perfectly One of our favorite sons-in-laws, <laughs> and then our son uh, is in Atlanta. He's a financial planner. He went to Georgia Tech and stayed there and, and um, married uh, a young lady who was from our town they grew up in in Dalton, Georgia. I was a a pastor of a church in Dalton, Georgia, for 20 years, and that's where our kids grew up. And um, uh, her name is Tracy, and and they've got two children. And then Anna, our youngest, is married to our other favorite son-in-law, Kirk. Some of you have met them, and they live in Ukraine, western Ukraine, where they're missionaries with MTW. And they have four. And today, today, the youngest started walking Jane, we've got we've got the video to watch. Jane, Jane started walking. So, oh,
4: that's
3: so yeah. sweet. Okay, we got one. we
5: got one. That's right. I'm Gary Gray. I um, know a lot of y'all from years ago, and um, and Becky, and um, I know her. <laughs> um, and um, so, you know, in terms of our Children, so we uh, were married in 1985, and we uh, <clears throat> promptly went to, uh, well, we went to Auburn, you know, and then uh, to Seminary in New Orleans, and then to the Philippines. Our young, our oldest, uh, who is now 33 years old, born in 88, um, was born in New Orleans, and, and our second born in the Philippines. Um, Nathan is... Uh, Uh, 30 years old, about turned 31, and Lauren is uh, our youngest, born in Alabama, and she um, is uh, 27. How
4: about 29, 29, 31, 33?
5: Okay, well, obviously I got my math wrong on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um, and uh, yeah, so um, they have... Uh, had five grandchildren the last three and a half years. So um, so suddenly, our family's doubled in size, <laughs> it seems. Um, so it's uh, been a sweet thing. Um, so Aaron and uh, uh, and his wife, Christy. Uh, so Christy is a uh, daughter of Brad Taylor, who's on staff, has been on staff at Briarwood for many years or so. Uh, and so. Um, and and then um, middle son, Nathan, and Michelle or Dennis, in Fort Payne, they are uh, buying Dr. Ken Friday's practice in Homewood, and so they'll be moving back, uh, maybe in January. So very happy about that. And then our our baby Lauren, and her husband Logan Middlebrooks. Uh, Lauren is on staff with Launch Global, and Logan is uh, he's Alpha Insurance, uh, but also getting uh, going to work with um, uh, with Frontier Ventures, who ha- who does Perspectives. So.
0: And Leslie, does Bruce need to sit between you guys? Are you that's going to be right. okay? <laughs> we'll, we'll go ahead and ask uh, right off, right off the, the bat, for parents who are struggling, particularly with teenagers, is grandparent being a grandparent make all that worth it? Amen. <laughs> okay. So see, the, the trick is just to get your kids out, and then have grandchildren, it's, and that's it's all worth that's
4: it. What you working for? Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Oh, there we go. All right. All right. So the uh, the first question, and um, you know, each each couple can answer this, uh, and we'll just start with the Greys and work down that way. Uh, What are the big pictures or or goals that guided uh, that have guided the particulars of your parenting? Right. So it's easy to get lost in kind of the the day in day out struggle. Give us the kind of the big picture principles that helped guide you.
5: So I'll mention two, and then Becky may have more that she would fill this out with. Obviously, we want our children to know Christ. Um, the older you get, the more you understand that. Um, and um, and we wanted our children to be lifelong friends with us. I mean, you know, we actually wanted a relationship that would last and be joy-filled. Um, and, you know, uh, it's not a, that's not an easy thing to do. And, and uh, by God's grace... Um, We've, we've enjoyed that and it's been a wonderful thing um, so I, those would be the two main things I would mention. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. yeah just in agreement with Gary and um, uh, just in everything that we would do even now just um, pointing our children and now our grandchildren uh, to Christ as being their strength um, just like Jay uh, Shaw said, you know, teaching them to not trust themselves, but to look to God as being the strong one. And, um, and then uh, I remember Gary just talking to me about uh, we homeschooled through the younger years, uh, and then in high school, we decided to put them in public school. And I remember being really afraid of that. And, and Gary's like, no, look, this is this, we, we want to have time with them. As they are journeying through this, and he said, I want them to see um, the blackness of their sin and the sufficiency and the rescuing love of Christ as being enough for them. And um, and he said, I feel like that that you know they need time away from us, they need time with other people in their lives. And anyway, but just that's continued to remind me of of, um, of our goals as parents is just to 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 continue to point them to Christ. Um, and then as far as relationships with others, to be in right relationship with others. And um, we'll talk more about that in a bit.
3: What I put down as my first was very similar. Uh, let my children see a dad and mom who loves Jesus, his word, and serving in his church. Um as you may know, I uh, not only had three pastor's children, but I am a pastor's kid, and uh, always was very um, conscious of how that can be um, a huge asset, but also a, a real challenge. Uh, it was Janice Joplin that said, the only one that could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man, and she wasn't talking about being taught well, <laughs> but... Uh, that potential for children of pastors and missionaries to go off the rails just really um, I thought was a, a real challenge to say, you know, what we have in our home needs to be authentic and real. And uh, I mean, you know, we're all hypocrites to some extent, but, you know, it's, it's to our best ability. Um, and then to get very specific, and I think this was because, again, as a pastor of a church – uh, keep our conflicts with each other and criticisms of others out of their sight.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's sort of a big picture that we would try to do on a daily basis because they're sponges, they listen to you all the time, and you model you know, in parenting much more than you teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that, uh, especially working around the fishbowl of a church, you know, is is keep our conflicts with each other and criticisms of others out of their sight. Uh, we did that better sometimes than others, but that was one of our bottom line, big picture things.
6: That's
0: fantastic. Comment <coughs>
6: number
0: four. Go
4: ahead. Mark, real quick, did you did you type your answers out on yours? Of course, that's the, way, that's the way I write. I
0: love you. Well, I started and I ran out of time. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I love you too.
6: actually there are two others I would add and and actually the first one here um, that mark um, I think very wisely a big picture is never strive to keep up with the Joneses or covet what others have model contentment children don't need to know if you're rich or poor and you set that environment your in your house that's that's a big picture Um, another one was um, and I remember early on Mark just he would just mention to me he said Leslie remember our job is to rear these children to leave home we're not rearing them to keep them we're rearing them to be um, independent and wise and hopefully mature adults and you want them to leave home (laughs) and that was good for me to to be reminded of earlier, and um, and then the other thing was that um, again, before we even had children, we had talked about that Mark and I were the two of us. We were a family. God blessed us and added to our family three precious children, but they would one day hopefully leave home and. We would still be a complete family, Mark and myself. So um, that contributes to our, our appreciation and understanding that um, our, of our marriage, that God put us together and that our marriage makes us a complete family. Um, we are um, thankful, and they are great blessings with our children. But... Um, So we pursued, my goal is to keep our relationship, our family healthy and whole. Um, So when the children leave the nest, um, we had cultivated and continued a good relationship between us, which is good for our children.
2: Mm -hmm. One one thing that we try to do or I tried to do as a mom is a big picture for us is I wanted our children to respect their father. And so a lot of things. What does daddy? Now I didn't do it well every single every single time. Well, nobody does it well every single time. But um, I, I, a lot of the decisions or a lot of things I would, you know, we want. I wanted them to respect their dad. So, what does dad say? Let's do something fun for dad. You know, things like that. So that was a big picture. Um, a mentor friend of mine told me that that, that was real important that they respect their father so that was one thing that i tried to do
1: yeah i would say one one paradigm is is to realize they're not your children you're going to realize that at some point the question is how long will you hold on until god finally breaks you to you realize these are not your children and part of your fight internally is because we think they are our children and so we develop this ownership and we, instead of this stewardship. And if we remember they're God's children, and he's given them to us to steward, not to own, it's an incredible paradigm shift. It took me too long to, to get there uh, to figure that out. But once I had that as a big-picture way to look at it, then things like they're going to leave made more sense uh, because they're not yours. Um, God's given them to us. We're, we're to do our role and to steward them well, uh, because we're, we've been entrusted with something very precious, but we don't own them. Uh, they're not ours. And then there's a freeing on the backside. There's this freeing thing because then you get to go, yeah, I'm not responsible for that. Uh, so <laughs> you got, it takes a while to get there, but eventually you actually get there too.
0: So I want to ask a follow-up to that if I can. You, you mentioned that it took you too long to realize that, but tell us a little bit about the progression of that paradigm yeah. shift.
1: So every one of our children had a medical emergency in their first year. Now, looking back, that was about us. Our kids don't remember it, right? They're infants. So all four of our kids as an infant ended up in the hospital for something uh, their their first year. I knew by the time the fourth one came along that it was going to happen. I didn't didn't know what it was going to be. And she was born without a swallow reflux. Who has that? I mean, do not know how to swallow. That's ridiculous. By the way, ask me after this, how you teach an infant how to swallow. If you have the stomach to to (laughs) learn. it. Okay. Uh, that reflux just didn't get, but each child went through something and I had to learn to get that I was in over my head and that we couldn't quote, we got this or think if we just try harder, we will get this. No, you won't. Uh, you're in over your head. And so we had to learn that from a paradigm. Now, once we got it, from a physical standpoint, we could get it better with the issues that that, that um, uh, they faced throughout uh, throughout their days. Okay.
0: Um, so, talk to us about uh, the relationship between your parenting and your own walk with Jesus and what that's looked like. And we'll just we'll go opposite. So, it's long and work back this way. Um,
1: yeah. When I read that question, my first response was, "What's the relationship between your parenting and your walk with God? They're inseparable." You, I, don't, I hope I didn't ruin anybody's answer, but <laughs> if you spent 20 minutes coming up with an answer, it's wrong. They, 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 you can, And it's a, there's a reason you can't separate them, because you didn't sign up to be a parent. You didn't actually make yourself a parent, no matter what we might think. God made you a parent, and that's a role that he gave you, just like when you got married, you became a husband or a wife. When you had a child, you became a father or a mother. That's who you are. Well, what part of who you are is not an aspect of your relationship with the Lord? You, you can't create slices of the pie. Like, you can't say, I'm doing really good in parenting, but not so good in my walk with God. Or I'm doing great in my walk with God, but not so good in my parenting. Those are inseparable. That, 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 that goes throughout all of that. So God will use parenting. It's one of the primary tools of sanctification. I mean, you wonder if this is about the kid or you. And so it is a primary tool of sanctification. He's going to show you your need through parenting and he's going to use parenting to bless you and he's going to use parenting to reveal himself to you so I, I don't think you can even possibly separate uh, separate the two
2: um, just a practical thing as a mom our availability changes as the seasons of our children's grow so you may not get to do all the things that you used to do. You may not get to lead a study or be in, or may even be in a Bible study. But that's the season that God has you in. So just rest in that and know that God will, at some point in time, you'll be able to do all those things and lead a study and be in a study and all of that. Um, but just you know, know that that's where the Lord has you. Keep your Bible open. You know, sometimes you'll just look at it throughout the day. And just along those lines of what he said about. Um, what God teaches you through your parenting about being holy, there's an author named Gary Thomas, and he has written a parenting book, but I can't remember the title, but it's, it talks about how parenting is for your holiness and not necessarily for your kids. It's a great book. I just can't remember the title.
4: Um,
3: what Bruce says is absolutely right. I mean, if you want to see a relationship with God and your kids, you've got to model it and it needs to be authentic. And so you almost don't worry about the kids catching it until you've really, you work on that. And it's a daily, monthly, yearly practice that goes on for your whole life. And uh, that's really important. But um, I also put the comment that in terms of our relationship with Christ and our involvement with the church, you know, I understood because I remembered as a kid going through seasons where I didn't like church. I didn't want to go to church. My friends weren't going to church or, you know, that kind of stuff. And that is often one of the most tangible aspects of our Christian faith as a family is going to church. And nothing wrong with that. That's just the way it is. And so I remember having a kind of a matter-of-fact approach with the children because I think all three of them, at one time or another, and we were blessed that nobody was in abject rebellion completely, but they all expressed a disappointment with church. They had gotten in an argument Some didn't want to go. And so I just tried to gently but without emotion say, well, our family goes to church. That's what we do as a family. When your mom and I got together, we thought that's going to be a really important thing to do. And we do it, uh, and I put down the words, weekly and unashamedly, you know, we go to church. There'll be a time in your life when you make that choice yourself. You're going to move out, and we hope you do, but it'll be up to you whether you go to church. But um, that's what we're going to do. And uh, I, I would even add, you know, you don't necessarily have to um, pay attention, but you have to behave, you know. And you have to be respectful, but that's what we're going to do. And uh, so you don't need to worry about the possibility that that's not going to happen because that's what we do in our, in our house. And try to early on just drive that. I don't think I really brought it up until the kids were kicking against it. And, uh, but not shocked, not uh, condescending about, I can't believe, I can't believe you. you're a preacher's kid. You've got to go to church. None, none of that because I understand. That, uh, but just, nope, that's what we do as a family. And I think whether I'm a preacher or not really has very little to do with it. If I wasn't a preacher, we'd still do it. So, go ahead. I,
6: this just crossed my mind. It's very spontaneous. Um, it, it's, I was just reminded that um, I was uh, blessed with wonderful parents. I came up in a moral home had great siblings and everything, but I was not raised in a Christian home. Um, I was not um, a foundation of, of walking with Christ, was not part of my upbringing. Um, came to Christ as a teenager and, and really grew spiritually in college. So I share that with you because um, I had to come to terms. Um, I had traced that I was growing in Christ and how... He blessed me. God answered prayer with a, a godly spouse, and then all of a sudden I'm faced with, oh, children. Okay, and and I I I, I had to face my struggle, very personal. That okay, Jesus, um, do I really know how to do this from a from a spiritual standpoint? I so desperately wanted my children to um, be reared in a a godly home um, that they would know Christ, but I just felt very inadequate, to be honest. And so, um, it it was a spiritual journey for me um, to trust to, to in my in my daily walk with Christ to be reassured um, that He was going to equip me. He had equipped me, and He was providing all that I needed. Um, I needed to be careful because I have a tendency to compare myself with other people around me and, and either say, oh, gosh, they're doing this, I can't do that, <laughs> or, or how are they doing this, and I don't understand, and, um, but I can, you know, hindsight, I can now look back and I, I remember God's faithfulness over and over and how he provided um, teaching, how my quiet times with him, he would bring truth to me um, of, about my children, about how to how to address certain things, and also resources around me. And I was just um, I was reminded as Sonia said that not all of us our personalities differ, but I'm I'm a personality where I look for the resources and what's available and what can I um, learn from um, and listen to good teachers. I think of today with Jay, um, um, taking advantage of, of what's um, what's available. Where can I go find out? I even was convicted today, now that I'm a grandparent. <laughs> I was thinking, oh yes, I have all this technology, it's just in my house, and I have nine grandchildren that can come in and out of my house, you know. And so I'm still learning as, as a, a I call myself an adult parent of adult children. And so I, I just want to encourage you with that, that God is faithful. Um, he provides, and he delights in teaching us in our places of responsibility. And, um, and he'll just, he's there. So. Okay. Um.
4: I just agree with all the things you guys have shared and and one of the things that probably you guys realize as parents you become you feel so inadequate of like mm-hmm. I've never done this before you know our kids are guinea pigs and you know anyway just that I think it's it's kind of like being accepted to a job that you you're you're like I can't do this, I can't, I don't even know how to do it, and and the Lord's like, yes, that's what I need. I need yeah. you to be at a place of deep need for me, uh, just like in every area, every other area of our life, and he again wants to show us that he's enough to parent us, and and to show us how to be parents, you know, to these kids, and, um, and so I'd say that one of the things that, that even now as a grandparent, you know, because I want to make sure that we love our, our grandchildren and, and kind of follow along the principles of the way our kids are parenting. But, again, it's just that dependence on the Lord and striving to have a clean heart before the Lord. And, and if you're hungering after the Lord, then it is going to, to um, I believe, they're going to see that and, and want it. And I think also being vulnerable with your children about your needs. And it doesn't mean that you have to tell them things that they don't need to know about your struggles. But still, uh, I think about um, uh, when our kids were probably maybe six, eight, and ten. Um, one of my sisters, I have three sisters, and um, the one I was the closest to was killed in a, a, a car accident. Uh, and her thirteen year old daughter was killed with her. They love the Lord, I know they're with the Lord, but she was of the six kids in our family she was the one I was the closest to and we were homeschooling and there'd be days that I couldn't even get dressed. I'm just laying on the couch and I'm trying to call out spelling words and I'm just boohooing and I'm just missing you know my sister and, and her daughter so much, even though I know God was good and all of that and Nathan, our middle son, so he was probably six or eight and um we had been writing, he was probably eight, we had been writing scriptures down on little index cards, you know, and had little spiral rings and, and all. And and, um, and 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 he said, Mommy, he, he said, are you okay? And I said, Nathan, I said, I'm just struggling so much. I said, I, said, I just need a scripture. I don't, even, I don't even, I just need a scripture. And he said, okay, Mommy, I'll get you one. And he went and he opened his Bible. And, I mean, I don't know how he found it, but it was, and I don't remember the scripture, but in his little, you know, with like a watercolor crayon, you know, washable crayon, he wrote out the scripture for me and, and it was what I needed. And just being able to hold our kids and just say, I'm so sad right now. And I just, I, would y'all just be with me? Would, you know, maybe today we're not going to, maybe we're just going to jump on the trampoline and we're going to, you know, watch cartoons or something like that, but just, Anyway, inviting our kids into our struggles. And um, anyway, um,
1: so.
5: Yeah, uh, you know, that same idea that many of us have shared. um, Parenting um, provides lots of opportunities to share uh, about our relationship with the Lord and to examine our relationship with the Lord Mm -hmm. to. To get food, you know, spiritual food from the Lord that we need, because you know we don't have it all figured out. And um, so, in the in the early years, you know, there are challenges, and and I think these challenges oftentimes drive us to the Lord for help and prayer. Um, and then, as our children get are getting, you know, growing older we have so many opportunities with every challenge. There's a op- challenge in relationship, challenge that we face, challenge of a strong-willed child. I mean, there are opportunities with every challenge uh, to, to share with our children um, our own personal challenges and, um, and how, how we... Need the Lord and how He provides, and and so, because many of these challenges, a strong-willed child, whatever, they they may be clamoring for something they don't even know what it is. You know, like a like someone who's drowning in panic. Um, you know, children get that way, and um, we have, have opportunities in the midst of those challenges. There are real opportunities uh, to to be able to take them uh, to the Lord, even if. It, it, by sharing our own our own experiences.
0: Yeah. So a follow up to that, um, it's interesting, you know, as a pastor I get all kinda of emails and book things and it's interesting how much stuff is directed at moms and mothering and women. Um, but I would love to hear from the you men from give give some street level practical like what like your Street-level walk with Jesus day in, day out. What were some practices that were helpful? What would that look like with your children? Uh, if you would in, encourage the dads, because usually spirituality and education, all these things, they, those kind of end up as mom's territory, you know, and dad works and, you know, maybe gets home in time to tuck them in or whatever. So uh, give some words of encouragement to, to us as dads, Amen. You know?
1: Yeah, I think one of the challenges as a, a dad is, so you go to work, and you come home, and with our four, probably y'all didn't get may, ever get in trouble or anything, but ours did, and so almost every day when I came in, instead of being fun dad, I had to first be judge, you know, an executioner sometimes, uh, before you ever got around to just how was your day, and part of what uh, I had to try to really work on was to figure out I didn't want to pass on to them just the, world, the, the rules of the world according to Bruce but what does God say and so even in those kind of challenging difficult situations sometimes because I didn't know what I was dealing with until I walked in the door that it was hmm well let's think about this and I would develop a practice with my kids of just thinking out loud I would literally say to them, you're going to tell me your story. Mom's going to tell me her story. I'm going to have to figure it out. What I'm trying to figure out is, does the Bible say anything about this? (sighs) Let's see. Okay. Can you think of anything in the Bible? No, no. Okay. And I really would look at it and go, oh, whoa, 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 there's a parable. And we would go and literally include them in the searching for what it was or sometimes saying, I'm going to have to come back to you on this. But what, they're, what I wanted them to conclude was dad's going to find the answer in the Bible. And he's using that for himself and he's using it for your mother and he's using it uh, for, uh, for you. So I think instead of going away and not letting them see that part of the, how the sausage is made, kind of making that part with them and trying to, no matter what it was, try to, try to figure out that, that part of the sausage with them. Now, some of them, not, not all, But some of them would actually engage in that. Like they would say, you know, this speaks to that. And I'm thinking, you're punishing yourself. But (laughs) but, but praise the Lord. So I think engaging them in that. And then I had to um, realize, uh, this is a long story. I'll keep it very brief. I realized, and Sonny and I talked through this a long, long time ago, that I could not walk out of the church and drive as fast as I could to get home and walk in the door and be of much benefit to the family. I needed, and it could just be 10 minutes, but I left the church, typically went to a parking lot, and what I would do is just stop, decompress the day of of, uh, uh, the church, and get in the gear, which meant pray. And I would pray over everybody in my family before I would walk in the house, and it made a tremendous difference. Now, I'm that compartmentalized, so I'm I'm that simple of a person. Uh, I should see a counselor. Uh, I, should, I should see a lot of counselors. But whatever it is for you, you I, I know I had to change gears, and and walk in and be dad, and be and and bring a spiritual perspective of it, or else I just was going to fail. And I just knew, if I just walk in like that every day, I'll just fail. So that's. What.
3: I've got to be real careful here because is I don't. You don't know Briarwood. Actually, Bruce is really one of my bosses. And I've got to be careful what I confess to here. But uh, one of the emphases... But, but
1: we're, we love Leslie, though. That's
3: right. I'm safe. Um, one of the emphases at Briarwood is, is a family altar, a family time of worship. And there's a strong admonition to have daily devotionals with your you know, husband, wife, with the children and uh, preferably around a dinner table or maybe right before they go to bed, something like that. We never did that very well. I mean, you know, we just, we'd struggle with it big time. And, you know, I'd be busy, I'd be distracted, and especially as you get a little age on the kids, they're going a million different directions. And uh, yet we were sensing the importance of getting our family together and talking about spiritual things. So when we did it, I can't remember how often, but when we did it, um, I did learn a few uh, over the years, a couple of practical things. If you want to get your family together on a regular basis, um, was number one, be creative, do what works. If it needs to be a family devotion of five minutes, once a week, that's great. I mean, so, go so you wouldn't
0: you wouldn't test run that week sermon like you were you wouldn't. Test yeah, run I probably, that probably would not test
3: run because now that was the one one caveat that I have in our situation is my children had to listen to me preach every week <laughs> for thirty minutes, for forty minutes, whatever. You know, they and they didn't have any real choice. So I was aware that they were hearing from me, but I would strongly, even though we did it poorly. Work on a, a, a regular time of getting the family together. Make it simple. Be creative. Uh, adapt it to the level of your youngest child. You know, don't don't aim at, like Kevin said, reviewing your Sunday sermon. <laughs> you know, aim for the youngest child. And if that child is three, aim it for her or him. You know, the older ones will pick it up. And um, and then involve everyone. Have Different ones read. Or maybe you could find a little devotional for children that you could read. Don't jump into a 30-minute you know, devotional time right away. You know, some year you may work up to something like that. But you know, find something that just works. In other words, bring Jesus into the community of your family. And uh, one little quirky thing I did, and I have no idea if Rebecca remembers this, is I developed a habit when they were very young, and sometimes I was out at a meeting, or Leslie would be putting them to bed, I'd be doing something else. I always tried to walk into each bedroom, sometimes two or three hours after they go to sleep, I'd kiss them and say in their ear, Daddy loves you, and Jesus loves you. Just that phrase. Daddy loves you, and Jesus loves you. I have no idea, but I just... You know, that was something I said, you know, they're sleeping, they're quiet, and uh, that might be a way of imprinting just a truth in their head. And usually you get a mm, mm, <laughs> some kind of squirm, and uh, I'd go, yes, maybe something sunk in there. But uh, that was just a little bit in trying to make
0: our Christian walk a little It's a right lot, it's to a lot easier to say Daddy loves you when they're asleep, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, so they listen, listen to it.
1: You know, here uh, before you go, Mark, one thing you said. Truly, our best family devotions and absolutely our most engaging family devotions happened in response to something going on in one of their lives, not in a book or a plan. Now, we did the other, but with probably less success than, than even Mark had. But, um, uh, but we did the other, but really the ones that really ma- meant and took and, and the kids engaged, was when in the conversation, typically the dinner table, in the conversation there, an issue or a need came up. And then we started talking about it and applied Scripture to it. Those were by far the better kind of family devotions that we had. Yeah,
5: that is a family tradition that, that probably has the greatest influence on a person. They're bonding with their family. And, and I think ultimately when those kinds of things happen, at, and for us as a family, they, they happened at, at the table, usually the dinner table, uh, because uh, we homeschooled the kids most of those years. Becky cooked, and so we had our meals together, um, and um, we spent a lot of time at the table. My family tradition was gran- grandmother and dad were storytellers, and so we spent... In in my growing up, a lot of time around the table talking and sharing stories, and it's rich. That is rich. And so I would encourage you, don't miss out on the opportunity to eat with your children around the table, and, and don't do like a Chinese friend of ours did. She said, "Oh, you when we eat with you, it's very different. Our family, we don't talk at the table. No talking. <laughs> you know, and we would sit and talk for hours till your family is getting sore, you know. So, <laughs> uh, but those so those are rich times. And and one one thought in terms of fun times that that will help, something that we did um that I think was helpful to our kids. Early on, we um had the opportunity, uh, I took the opportunity to teach them Proverbs, and Proverbs are kind of an easy thing for children to appreciate, a lot of word pictures and things there, and, um, and so reading through the book of Proverbs together, and basically doing it as a study, but with lots of conversation, and, and that was really good to build a, a mutual appreciation for Scripture, but also to understand foolishness and the need for discipline and wisdom, and that was huge. And the consequences, the consequences the foolishness. of foolishness, yeah, very good for teaching young children. That's what it was written for, right? Um, so, uh, so I think King Solomon knew what he was doing when he, you know, when he did this. Um, but something fun that we did is we made up what we call the Proverbs game. And if you like playing games, and our family is all about some games. Um, So we'd get a big poster, a pad of paper, you know, and we would do something like Pictionary. And basically everybody would have, let's say, the 31st, uh, you know, the 31st, you know, Proverb 31. We're all looking at that on, on, and so you've got all the verses in the Proverb, and we will just start drawing, you know. And so this, um, you know, it could be a particular verse out of, you know, that particular Proverb, and we'll start drawing. Well, one
1: person.
5: One per, one person draws, everybody else is trying to pick the verse, right? And so they're going through, if there's 31 verses in Proverbs 31, then they're going through all 31 verses over and over and over again trying to pick. Anyway, and we had a lot of fun doing that um, that was a way to really build in an appreciation both of Scripture but also of, of wisdom and foolishness and discipline. So, and
4: excuse. for the little ones, you know, and most of you guys have older kids, I think, but if, if there's a kid that's shy about drawing or they don't know what to do, you can kind of have teams, and you can read the verse to them. Maybe they can't even read, but you can kind of explain the verse to them while you're planning out what you're going to draw and get them to draw a circle or get them to draw whatever. And um, and we still have these pads. Anyway, you can. it's just so fun to still look through them, and our kids are like, oh, yeah, you know. But, it's, yeah. It was fun. Yeah,
0: a lot of fun. We all Gary, one of the uh, one of the things you mentioned as a big picture was you guys wanted to be lifelong friends with your children, so you wanted to cultivate that relationship. So one of the questions was, what are the what are the best attributes to strive for? What we'll do now, I'm just going to kind of popcorn questions. Um, so since you mentioned right that long, wanting to be lifelong friends with your children, mm-hmm. how do you cultivate that? What are some of the best attributes to strive for in that relationship?
5: Yeah, so uh, mutual respect, and I really appreciate what y'all shared, you know, just about the importance of them respecting their father and how you did that. But mutual respect, empathy for one another, uh, of course, you know, the teaching things like kindness, but ultimately, um, you know, we have to teach them how to love each other, how to forgive. How to confess, you know, those those nitty-gritty things that are going to, you know, ultimately show up in their marriage relationship, you know, 20 years later. Um, But also to help reinforce friendship uh, in a way. And teaching them practically, uh, yes, about practical ways. So teaching them how to do that, you know. and, And then for them to see it. So whereas y'all, um, I think, wisely kept conflict, you know, out of their sight, but there certainly is a need um, to, for us to also demonstrate, you know, really how do we resolve conflict. And, um, and, and, and so the one I thought I would tell you there is teach your children, when, if they're going to go to someone in humility, perhaps, perhaps they're, they're going um, because there's been, a, there's been a problem and they've been hurt. But they need to be able to go in humility. Or if they're going to confess, obviously they've got to go in, in humility to be able to do that. But to to create an atmosphere and relationship for forgiveness, if they can go, basically it's like in Proverbs tells us, you know, to bring a gift, you know, to the king, and it's going to make everything better. Well, if, if there's a conflict, if I can go and admit what, was my role in this conflict, right? Um, g- somehow go and confess my own sin. It just makes it so much easier for the other person to reciprocate. Um, and so that's a lesson I would definitely want to teach. Yeah.
0: Becky, anything you'd add to that about cultivating a lifelong friendship with your kids? What attributes you're shooting for them?
4: Um, Gary is the king of playing with our kids, Uh, and I think that you, you know, really helped me with that, of just enjoying them as people, and um, we, um, things they wrenched it in, we'd just join in, and, um, you know, playing paintball together, video games, um, to to a, you know, we had these times, you're probably going to get the technology thing, but, um, but things that our, our children wanted to do, we would uh, we would cultivate that and a lot of time outside. Um, just yeah, playing. One of our favorite things to do uh was to play in the rain uh whenever it, like in the summertime we had a trampoline and so when it when it would be raining we might be doing schoolwork but if it was a downpour everybody's like get
2: on your bathing
4: suits and mom come too you know and I'm like I just washed my hair this morning. Okay, <laughs> we're going you know and you know, we jump on the trampoline or we'll run outside or just you know, silly things. we love to stargaze, um, so we would take our sleeping bags out in the front yard and just look at the stars. I mean, countless, countless times of doing that. and just, yeah, um, our kids came over today, four of our four of the six, uh, and the guys helped Gary uh, work on a project, and we had an inflatable pool, and the girls played, and that's why we were late <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway yeah, so I, I would just, yeah, I would say enjoying them, enjoying them and um, and trying to – there were times that we were like, you know, hey, let's garden together. We don't want to garden, you know. So we'd try – well, we'd try to make it fun. Okay, well, how about this little section of the garden can be yours. what What would you like to grow? I oh, don't know. I don't like vegetables, you know. So you're trying to think of anything. And so you – so there are times that you're trying to invite them in to – um, the hard things we did chores together. We, um, um, so so just doing life together. Yeah, yeah. Good. I would, I would just
5: add to that. Becky spent a lot of her summers at summer camp as a counselor, and and so life with Becky is like being at summer camp. She sings
2: all the songs, <laughs>
5: and pretty much she's having a good time the whole time. So it's you know that that really helps a lot. If you, you know, hopefully one of you is really joyful and fun. And the so other life is one might be an old musical at your house. Our, like there's yeah. always breaking the song. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was <laughs> and, so, yeah, yeah. and then there's an old curmudgeon that, that she said did play with our children. But I did. That was the best part of my day.
0: <laughs> well, maybe one of you guys. Um, Sorry, that was long. No, that was good. Uh, I had the question on here: How do you handle a conflicted parent-child relationship? And um, I don't know. Uh, maybe one or two couples who want to speak to that because I don't know your all the d- dynamics in the years of parenting, but how have you handled conflicted parent-child relationships, uh, and, and how would you address it if there's even reluctance on both sides? So you've got a parent and a child who are just kind of stonewalling each other. Anybody have a situation they could help us with there?
1: I can tell you what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> I took one of my kids to the Mormon church and told them I would leave them there if they didn't clean up their act. Y'all think, I'm, y'all think I'm actually kidding. Um, I, I do think the other parent has a role in that. Because, and the reason is because when you're having a, in a conflicted relationship, and by the way, it's going to happen. I mean, it, it just is. And so when you're in that, you've got to acknowledge that you're probably not seeing it clearly. You may be seeing it pretty well, but you're not seeing it clearly. So you need your spouse to not just be your teammate. That's, that should be a given. But you need your spouse to go, hey, honey, like one of our jokes is I went to Sonia one time and said, honey, you're arguing with a two-year-old, okay, and you're losing. I mean, it's sad. I mean, you know, so you – and she's like, I am. I mean, so it's a, sometimes somebody needs to say something about that, and, and, and we had to do that in different sets of relationships. So I do – I will say this. I think the other spouse has a role, and it's a role with both parties, but it's not a neutral role you know, my kids to this day will tell you, oh, there's no doubt dad loves mom more than he loves all the rest of us put together. So that, that's okay. They, that, that for them to understand that dad's going to take mom's side, but it's a, it's a role to help them see it differently and to help them work together and to, in a sense, kind of force the issue, uh, so that that relationship gets recognized. But to go tell that child, you know, basically, you're, you're wanting to, to butt heads with the person who has more answers uh, to your life questions than anybody else on the face of the earth. And not only that, they love you. And not only that, they love the Lord. And not only that, they're going to share scripture with you. And you're isolating that person probably because your friends are. And so why, why would you do that? And so just to help them see it, but then come over to the other person and kind of give them perspective which usually the perspective you give the other spouse is, don't be impatient. Be patient because some of these things, some of them are just phases. And it will get much, much, much better. Uh, but, you know, everything seems so urgent. Like if you don't get along today, your child will never talk to you again. Oh, trust me. They'll talk to you again. You might not enjoy it, but they'll talk to you again. <laughs> so it, this too shall pass, but I think helping them. Yeah. Just a couple of quick things. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, a lot of we had two boys and two girls, and a lot of time the conflict. I would let Bruce handle it with the boys a little bit because he could talk to them a little bit better, and I would sometimes handle it with well, sometimes with the girls. But I will plug your daughter. I
1: begged you to handle it. He did. He did. (laughs) But
2: I'm gonna plug Rebecca because Kush is what we called her at Barwood when she worked there. But I was struggling with a daughter who is incredibly strong-willed, and is still strong-willed to this day, but we, she was not like me, and so we butted heads a lot. We butted heads a lot. It was kind of, I, I pray, I would pray, I, I don't think we're ever going to be close. We're not getting along. I'm having, She was the one that I was arguing with as a two-year-old, and so I just couldn't believe she would disobey me. I was her mother. So... When she became junior high, which is not the the funnest time, and i don 't know if you' all have junior high kids, but it it wasn't very fun um, but I did. I met with Rebecca, and I said, "Tell me how to help her and thankfully, by God 's design, because Rebecca was our daughter's youth leader, she would tell her things they will tell so get involved with the youth, get those youth leaders in there because they will talk to them where they weigh not may not talk to us, and it kind of hurt my feelings at the beginning. But then I was like, praise the Lord, this girl knows how to minister to her. I still have the card that you gave me. Do you remember that? I wish I'd have got it. I know. Bummer. But anyway, I had a a, a come apart with Rebecca because I didn't know. But she knew junior high kids. I'd never had one before. I had a son, but it was completely different. But um, I'd never had a, a girl in junior high. So I met with Kush, and she helped me see some things about this daughter and that is what you know helped me and god really used her to you know help me see what our differences were and how um, the lord had created her now she's still strong-willed and we struggled for a little while but now she, what the lord has done in her heart is amazing and we even went on vacation together just the two of us how about that she did you argue we did not argue no it was great <laughs>
3: You know um, there's um, in, in dealing with the children in conflict like that certainly you want to model conflict resolution and Gary's right even though we may try to keep conflict the kids see it they and they know it in a minute and uh, but I can remember in sixth seventh eighth grade watching after my parents made up and they're sitting there in the, standing there in the living room smooching I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and hugging, and we just, gross, <laughs> you know, and, and I can remember that uh, they didn't ever did anything inappropriate, but watching them, you know, work through and and be lovey-dovey again was a tremendous, of course, I didn't know it then, and I was rather offended by the whole process, but uh, watching it um, was really helpful, uh, but as as the kids would grow up, several things occurred to me, especially as I was watching other families, and sometimes counseling and other families, I learned, don't make a lot of rules, but keep the ones you make. Amen. There's a real temptation in your frustration just to be throwing out rules and rules and rules. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And you, you can't keep them up. I mean, you can't necessarily. It's easy to get way over your head and not be able to keep the rules that you're making. So be careful about that. Make a few rules, but really keep them. And uh, really enforce them, lovingly and objectively. A second thing is never parent with a view toward your child liking you or appreciating you. Especially with strong-willed children, they will hate you, and that's okay. <laughs> I know the biblical admonition, you know, about obeying your parents and all that stuff. But they're just sometimes they're not going to like you, and that's fine. I'm not asking you to like me. I'm asking you to obey me. And I'm not going to... And that, a third rule would be just don't take things personally. When they're uppity, when they're insulting, obviously they need to be respectful, but there are times that children, more than anybody else, can get under your skin and question whether or not you're sane. And and uh, you are, and uh, and sometimes they're not going to like you, and, you know, that's fine. But that's still what we're going to do. And uh, it's it's especially when the hormones start pumping in junior high. And, you know, it can be both guys and girls can
0: be hard to get along with.
3: Do you want to add anything? I
0: have, just going this. Like Rebecca wasn't one of those children, right? She, she, she didn't.
6: <laughs> <laughs> she said it was okay for me to mention her <laughs> as I was thinking about that. Again, um, a lesson God had to teach me was, um, and this is – Speaking to what y'all said, you know, God used Mark in my life um, because Rebecca is my strong-willed child. She's my firstborn, and uh, I went through a period where she was dictating the environment in our house, and this was middle school, and one morning she'd get up, and her hair was just perfect. And so everything was easier in the routine and getting out the door for school. The next day, her hair looked exactly the same, and it was awful, and it looked horrible, and she was fretting, and, and she just she just uh, ruled. I mean, she, she brought... Tension and and I can't even explain it. You know, just disruption to the breakfast table. I can't and explain it either. <laughs> so,
1: you shouldn't explain it. <laughs> That's right.
2: That's right. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah.
6: And my kind, wise husband was patient with me because I was, and I was on this roller coaster as a parent, as a mother. Um, it I I can't remember. It's been a long time, but. Um, there were times he couldn't be there, or to be honest, he might have been in the shower trying to get ready to leave, and I'm trying to get breakfast to get the kids going, but I share that because I was, and Rebecca was, and we were, you know, in that sense clashing, and poor Chris, our middle child, and Anna were just riding the wave of what was happening, and um and I was, I was frustrated, and I poured my heart out to Mark in, in, in an appropriate time between the two of us. And he was, he was kindly, respectful, but direct with me, and he needed to be. And that's what we are as spouses and parents together. You're in this together. And he, he said, you know, Leslie, <laughs> you need to learn learn that you need to set the tone in the morning, and it needs to be steady. And it's can waver a little bit, but, you know, just as steady as possible. And let, let Rebecca. Rebecca's going to do it dip, and this, this. but you need to just. And that took, that took um, a number of things. It took me examining my, my um, reaction, my perspective. What was going on with me personally? It took a lot of prayer. It took it It took time. That's what I'm trying to say, um, and when Mark and I were talking about this. It gets back to the discipline of our children, and um, he came up with—I'm not going to claim it—he said discipline takes time, and is normal, and it's normally it will be inconvenient too. Parenting takes time, so the short of it was after much attention to that, and I was correcting Rebecca, but I also had to realize. Um, I couldn't change her but she thought her hair was you know one morning and it's perfect next and whatever this the hormones were raging and stuff like that I didn't allow her to be disobedient or to do go down that trajectory but just her her angst (laughs) I just had I needed to be steadier I was reacting and not acting um, to her and once god graciously brought that about and i confess to you it's been years so i can't go into the minutia of how but but i just remember i remember that god brought a steadiness to me as the mother and and it set a better tone for my poor two other children who were like what has god did to rebecca and um and and that i, I learned from that just also, as I was entering those teenage years that, um, and she was my firstborn, that um, I needed to depend on him. I needed to seek him out, to give um, a steadiness in these coming years, give a, um, a stableness, and, and to set a tone in the house that would be for the benefit of my children, and um, so um and I guess another thing I just want to say is, don't be fearful of those middle school and teenage years. They get they have their challenges, but God doesn't want us to be fearful. Um, as we trust Him, there's a real joy as you watch your children go through those years, and it's a real opportunity um, when we're asking about relationship. I, I think one thing. Um, I appreciate about my parents and I did take this into my parenting where they were my cheerleaders mm-hmm. there were times as my, those maturing years in my life that I didn't think I could do something I can't give you an example I didn't have the confidence but my mom and dad knew I did that they were my parents and they would encourage me try this or do this or whatever and they that was cheerleading for me that was you think I can do this okay I'll try and, and I did accomplish something, and, and I was like, "Wow!" And it, it increased my confidence. It increased my um, um, taking risk and moving out. And so, I took that attitude in with my children. I just, um, we are there. Um, that our children are looking to us, and and they will have those times that they're they're uncertain, and we lovingly. Um, are their stability, Christ. Ultimately, that's where we're leading them to is to Him. But because we love them, we are providing a safe place for them as their parents. Go
3: ahead. No, have to
6: hear
5: something. Yeah, um. yeah. I would just say, you know, with a strong-willed child and. Um, And we might have had one or two of those. (laughs) Um, When we came to this church, training on the
0: internet, so you don't have to name them.
5: When we came to this church, we found some mentors who really helped us. Our kids were already pretty big at that point. Uh, Aaron would have been about seven years, nine years old. So you got a nine, a seven, and a five-year-old. Well, we were way behind the eight ball because when Aaron turned um, oh about three years old. He was like a little attorney, and uh, and and he could outsmart us, you know, pretty pretty well. He had us trained, um, but I would just I would just say, if you got a strong-willed child, you if you have the opportunity, um, both to get good mentoring and help and advice, but early on, Stacy Connor told us you must win, and the and and you're going to win. With consistency, you know, The que- one of the questions was, you know, um, we may not have talked about this, but what role does discipline play in parenting? Well, the discipline, um, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's on us. We have to be disciplined. Uh, you know, we have to do the hard work of training our children uh, proactively before we have a conflict and then consistently uh, – Disciplining ourselves and disciplining them to uh, to have godly Um, character—it's a lot easier if you do that at an early age.
0: (laughs) So he talks about relationships, uh, cultivating your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with your children. Um, Talk about your relationship with each other, right? How do you how do you date your spouse? How do you continue? I think. Remember if it was the Cushmans or the Stallings who said, right, when the kids will leave and we'll still be here. We are a complete family unit. You said that, Leslie. So uh, what were some things you did to cultivate your relationship even as you were raising children?
1: We, we didn't do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not married. Yeah, we're not married. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's real simple. It's just hard to do. I mean, it's not complicated. It's time. Yeah. But it's just incredibly hard to do, and unfortunately, you actually ask yourself the question: Is it even worth going through all the trouble to get the babysitter, to carve it out, to make it a priority? Da da da. And the answer is yes. So it is. So yes, it is worth uh, that. And and it's not it's not that that one date is worth it. It's that that regular expectation. Of time together, of consistency—that's what's worth it. And that—I mean—that Sonia would be so incredibly impressed that I would have gone through and the the time and the energy to make it happen. It didn't matter what we did. Matter of fact, I'm—I think we slept through several movies. I mean, <laughs> you know, and or would just be at a restaurant, and just kind of. Or I remember. You know, one time we were we had finally got a date, and you know, the had, ended up with the you know child killing babysitter that we didn't even know, and <laughs> it just went haywire on us. So we get to the, finally get to the restaurant, and we just didn't speak to each other. I mean, we were both worn out. We just didn't speak to each other for the for a while, and then Sonia goes, "Don't you love this quiet?" and together and I thought I thought she was gonna say really you got nothing to say and I'm like yes I do I love I do love quiet and together and so and that was it so it's not brain surgery you just gotta kind of make it happen and, and prioritize it and we we did
0: now Bruce you said something important there you said that that sounded like it was on you right you planned it you put it together that wasn't one more thing you were expecting Sonia to do. You you handled it for y'all's
2: relationship. Yeah. I am not a planner. That's him. Okay. I don't plan. Yeah. yeah. So it so, also has a
0: personality thing. Yeah, there. Okay.
1: yeah, that's right. But it was I felt like it was my responsibility. So I took responsibility for it. It's just, you know, I'd bring up somebody, hey, so and so could keep the kids and Sonia's eyes like, oh, would get huge, you know. Like, no, <laughs> you don't know about them. Okay. Well never mind. But yeah, I took responsibility for whatever it was going to be, that was that was my responsibility. Because clearly, and especially when they were little, she did not want to make one decision. You know, that that it was, and I had to learn that. But she didn't care what we did or ate or went. Didn't matter. She did. The key was, could I go X number of hours and not make one decision, and just ride, let somebody else decide, and just ride the the flow. And so yeah, I took responsibility for that.
3: Yeah, I would I would say. Uh,
1: yes, I agree
3: 100% with Bruce. It's got to be a high priority, and it takes work. And, and uh, but I would be very creative. Um, now I was blessed that I took Mondays off for, in the ministry. That was, and I was very militant about it. And you constantly had to battle church members coming and asking they had things that need to be done on Monday, and I just said I'm not going to do it. And we started eating Monday. Once the kids hit school, we'd eat Monday lunch out. It was Chick-fil-A, it was often very cheap, it was uh, short, but just a chance to be out together, and I think like, uh, you know, Sonia said, to have a little downtime. we're just together. I don't know that we, um, you know, we didn't want to, you know, save up and do it once every three or four months and put so much pressure on the time that we were trying to accomplish something. I think the little short bites were really the better way to do it. And, uh, and just develop that habit. Marriage counselors will say that most dangerous times in marriage are the second year, the seventh year, and the 20th year. In the second year, you've gotten married, uh, you, you, the business is beginning to come, maybe a child has arrived, and you're just so distracted by life. Seventh year is sort of the same thing. Kids get into school a lot of changes are occurring and then the 20th year you look at each other and say who are you you know that's a very dangerous time and when you're in a big church and see a lot of things i've seen people being married 30 and 40 years get a divorce well their marriage was over probably long before that happened you know and i think it was just the little snippets of relationship that weren't sustained over the years
4: Well, neither one of us are organized, and so <laughs> uh, very. I mean, I don't know. We we struggle with. We're not type A people. Obviously, we lay around at night and watch the stars, and and you know summer camp and jump on the trampoline in the rain. But but we we had again uh, a couple of families here at at Grace um, that were helping us and the Connors especially Stacy and Paul Connor they would say Have y'all been on a date and we're like no and they're like bring the kids over y'all go out on a date and we're like Are you serious and they're like yeah bring the kids over and anyway uh, and so that happened those were when we actually you know had dates was when other people were loving us and holding us accountable and we were very thankful for that and they didn't even charge us <laughs> uh, but but then there were a lot of times that we would try to do something special um, just after the kids went to bed. So we might just build a fire and you know, and in you know, in the fireplace, and turn off all the lights and just sit together. And sometimes, like you're saying, Bruce, sometimes we're just like you know, just glazed over and holding hands. But but again, it was just trying to. We called them mini vacations. So there was there was one night that we just. Literally dragged our mattress into the living room. We loved our fireplace, and the kids were all in bed. We dragged our mattress in there, and and we had candles and a quilt, and we watched movies, and just so we called it a mini vacation. A lot of times we didn't have money, but it was like okay, we're going to spend time with each other in whatever way we can, and and um, so, um, but awesome. again, just. Having people in your life, having just one family in your life that's a little further along than you, that loves you enough to speak hard things into your life. Um, if you don't have that, pray for that. And if you know of somebody that, that you don't have that relationship with but you look up to them, I would say get time with them and say, hey, y'all, we need help. Would y'all, would y'all be able to just be, you know, speak hard things into our life, would you, um, would you, we're, we're opening the door, we're asking you to, to um, speak the truth and love to us, and, um, and anyway, that, we just weren't meant to walk this life alone, and, um, and I think even as families, that's so, good.
1: Hey, Kevin, I think there are two great takeaways in what Mark and she said, one is uh, help out each other. So that, that the, the couples that you raise your kids alongside of, you're all on the same page. You're doing it together. Most of the times that we would be able to go and get away, somebody else was, was you know, in our church or our group, you know, was keeping the kids. And they got it. And we did it for them. And alongside of that, we found out the, the, by experience the only people that would take our four kids were people who had four kids. So it, it seems like a terrible idea, but, I mean, really, give your four kids to somebody who has one child. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah, we've so, done that too. Three different houses. Oh, yeah. So help help each other out. And then Mark saying that that Monday he was militant about that is that it when you do actually go and do it, this is your enemy right here. So get rid of this thing right here and be all there, so that wh- whatever you do for a living, you're not that when you're there. So I remember looking at Honey one time and she said, "But what about the church? They got this, that, and the other." And I said, "Honey, they'll be dead tomorrow. Okay? <laughs> we're well, well, we're gonna go and we're gonna have fun. So you you get, you gotta. You're on tape. You do know.
3: Yeah. yeah you're,
1: plus, plus Mark Cushman's our pastoral care. I'm sure he's. <laughs> Let the he dead bury the care dead. Care. Mark will take care of it. You
3: know, one of my even a mentor. I've never met him, but I really we benefited for years from some of the sayings of Howard Hendricks, who was a professor at Dallas Seminary. And one of the things he used to say is, "If you don't plan your day or your life, someone else will." And uh, Bruce is making the illusion. I mean, you know, we're not victims. You know, we we can go the direction we want to go, but it, I can promise you others have an agenda for you. And uh, that's where you have to say, as Bruce is saying, some days you just leave all that behind and do exactly, you know, what God's called you to do. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of stuff on here we didn't get to, a lot of uh, a lot of good questions. But um, maybe uh, as just kind of a last question as we wrap up, um, if you could go back, so hindsight's twenty twenty, right? if you could go back and change one thing about your parenting, what would it be?
2: I'm going to gonna, take gonna start. The mic. You guys are yeah. doing great.
4: <laughs> <laughs> this, G- Gary and I are kind of similar in this way. Um, less critical and more praise. And our, our oldest, Aaron... Um, when he was about 14, it just seemed like that everything was an argument. It seemed like that everything was, a, it was an issue. And, um, and I would go round and round, and uh, you know, Gary would say, We'd well, just stop arguing with him. Look, we just have to, you know, this and this. But, um, but I really wanted to somehow get to the heart of I wanted to have this joyful relationship with him. He, he was a great kid. He's an awesome adult. Uh, and he's a really good parent. He is much more consistent than me. He is a type A person. How a type A person came out from us, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, but, but needless to say, um, uh, I just remember sitting down with him one day um, while the other two were doing schoolwork, and I said, Aaron, I said, we are not relating well. What What is it going to take for us to have a happy experience and a good relationship with each other? he was never happy with us we weren't happy with him and um and he got real quiet
5: Huh? I wouldn't say never but but yeah I oh, that's
4: that is the perception that wasn't reality but that was where we were kind of in that conflicted place mm-hmm. of like needing somebody to help us and um and a friend had had told me to ask him this question you know what would it take to really put the ball in his court he was old enough to be able to you know have some some ideas on it and um and he got real quiet, and I could tell that he had something he wanted to say. Um, and I gave him a minute, and I said, "You know, it's okay, buddy. You can, you know, you can, you can tell me." And he looked down, and he shook his head, and he said, "I, I don't want to say, Mom." You know, and I thought, "Oh boy, what in the world? What in the world does he want to say?" But I, but and I just prayed, and and I said, "Buddy, I said, I really want to know." Um, I really want to know. I want you to know that whatever you say is okay. And um, and he said, he said, I don't want to say. And I said, why not? And he said, it's going to hurt your feelings. And I said, well, I really need to know. I really need to know. And he said, Mom, he said, it just seems like you never seem to notice when I get it right. And it was true. And what was the telling thing was in my mind of course, I didn't say this out loud. In my mind, I thought, you don't do anything right. <laughs> and I just, but it was like, it was like the Holy Spirit was like, mm-hmm, he nailed it. And, and it was true. I mean, when we had fun times, when, you know, we had a lot of fun. But whenever there were any boundaries to enforce or, or, or things that needed to, when there was conflict, you know, it was, it was you know, it was not fun. And, and I, I hugged him. And and I said you're right, and it's going to take me a while to figure this out, because I'm realizing that I'm struggling, and um, and what you've said is true, and and I want to be different, and I just confessed to him. I told him the, how you know that it was wrong. I repented. I asked him to forgive me, and and I said I'm, I'm it's going to take me some time, but I want to talk more about this. I want to know you know more. About this and and would you pray for me? I asked him to pray for me because I, I said I've got a lot of changing to do and I want to know, I want to notice and I want to be different. And so he he said he would pray for me and, and Gary prayed for me and I decided that for, several days I was, not going to criticize him at all. I wasn't even you know I mean of course Gary would need to enforce something but. But I just began to pray that God would show me um, when He did get it right. And our relationship completely changed. Uh, and I'm so thankful that He had the courage. And I began to notice He was kind or He did His chores without being asked. And, and I began to, you know, to praise Him. I'm sure I had praised Him before. But I was criticizing him so much, you know, really legalistic in my parenting, and it was just so discouraging to him. But anyway, and he, y'all, he is just the most grateful kid that I, you know, we just, he is constantly telling us, you know, how much he loves us and how thankful he is for us. So God has extended a lot of grace, Mm -hmm. and he is, he's really, um, not giving me what I deserved as a parent, um. And I'm thankful. So, anyway. That's
3: good. Thank you. You know, one thing I, I would say about uh, hindsight's twenty. What would I change? Um, I think just remind myself again and again that the period of parenting is very short. Um, now our kids were kind of close together, within about easily within four or five years, mm-hmm. four years, and we had about 22 years. Well, next year is our 45th wedding anniversary. So half our time together, roughly half our time has been without children present on a daily basis. Now, parenting continues big time, you know, even after they leave after high school. But uh, I can remember coming home and my son would just, I don't know, he's six, seven, eight years old. First thing in the door, dad, come throw the ball with me. And, boy, I'd say, let me go change clothes. And I'd go back to the back of the house and flop on the bed going, boy, I'd love about 15 minutes just to. And, um, but, you know, I'm picking up and going, and I'm really glad I did. But then in the midst of it, you just think it'll go on forever. And it is frightful how quickly it passes. And I just keep reminding myself of that. I'm not going to have these moments over again. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, would be good fuel. Mm-hmm.
6: Is an addendum to that also. Um, parent, um, I was guilty of, I say, wishing away. I would think, oh, these three, two toddlers and an infant, okay, if I can just get them to seven, eight, nine, and ten years old, you know, I, um, it'll get easier, it will get, I'll know better, or something like that. And then I got there and I was like, I've I can't, I'm looking forward to them being at this stage and then this stage. And hindsight now is, and I don't know how to word it, but to.
3: Enjoy each stage. While yeah,
6: enjoy each stage and invest completely in each stage. Um, it's exhausting, it's fatigue. I mean, it's, it will stretch you, um, it grows you up. But, but in the stage that God's got you at this moment with those age children, Really invest yourself and not just live for the next thing in the future and the next thing in the future because, as Mark was saying, all of a sudden your parenting is mostly finished and your kids are are moving on and moving into their own lives.
2: So that would be mine. I'll, keep, <laughs> to my I'll, I'll be i'll be somewhat brief when i saw the question kevin i was like okay you know because that question has so many parameters to it what would you in hindsight my first thought was "Well, i don't know if i would do hindsight anything god was so faithful to grow my children up in spite of my mistakes and then i thought well that's just an excuse to not admit your mistakes (laughs) oh he was so faithful but I will say just a couple one thing that I really made a point our kids were all in high school and junior high at the same time and we were in the suburban I think I was in the car you probably three hours one day toting everybody everywhere and I remember picking up our two youngest ones and I was stressed I didn't have dinner I missed a pickup I you know all the things the things and you know, practice and all that, and my sweet son, Ben, who is the cutest kid ever, he was like, Mom, I'm so sorry we're stressing you out with all of our activities, I was like, can we not tell Daddy that you just told that to Mommy, and I realized, I realized they pick up on that anxiety and that anxiousness, and you know, I love their activities, it was just the going, 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 and so i had mentioned it to Bruce, and there was a saying that Briarwood had that around Christmas just was just to make peace with reality. But but then it was on the the Christmas season. But I kind of made that in my life just make peace with reality. You're going to be busy. You're going to be in the car. You're going to take everybody. You may forget one sometimes. I don't know if I ever did <laughs> that. But but they they internalize that differently than we do. We can let it go, but, you know, I had to confess and ask forgiveness and, you know, things like that. So just realize you're busy, but it'll be so short. What is that phrase? Your days will go by so slow, but the years will fly by or something, whatever that is. So.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> the things that I cherish that I would get to do now, when I look back, I mean, it would be go to the grocery store with one of my kids. It would be just, something that has no real agenda no real objective it's just time spent and getting to to interact with them without something and one of the so going back I would create those times because it was almost like I mean anytime that we needed to go get something from the store there was also a kid that needed to be talked to and so it became I'm a you know, efficient person, so I would grab that kid, put him in the car. We're going to the store and back, but there was an agenda. And so what I needed, what I would go back and do is a whole lot more no agenda, just just time spent, enjoy each other's uh, company, let them d- dictate the, the conversation, and just just spend time together. I think that would be uh, something I would, uh, looking back, I would be more intentional about doing no agenda time, as opposed to being intentional about doing time for, with an agenda.
0: That's good. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, let me. Uh, I'm going to close this in prayer. Just a second. Uh, if you guys want to talk with any of, of them afterward, you're certainly welcome to. We will need some help getting tables down. Uh, we we do have church in here, you know, tomorrow, uh, so we do need to bring all the gray chairs back in. Uh, so if you're able to hang around for a few minutes uh, after this and help us get set up for tomorrow morning, that would be awesome. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your kindness to us, uh, kindness, Lord, that, uh, that pushes us off into the deep end of parenting, uh, shows us that, uh, that we don't have this all together, we don't have it figured out, run over our heads. Lord, so that we would cry out to you. Lord I thank you for uh, these uh, the examples um, of these dear couples and uh, Lord thank you for their their wisdom your wisdom through them to us and Lord I pray that you would uh, help us to put some of these things into practice Lord to cultivate uh, to enjoy our children cultivate relationships with them Lord to enjoy one another cultivate uh, our relationships uh, with our spouses uh, and Lord ultimately to enjoy you. Uh, To cultivate our relationship with you. We will spend eternity with you. Longer than we will spend with our spouses or our children. Uh, And so Lord we pray uh, that you would help each one of us. uh, To take a step in that direction uh, by your grace. Lord we thank you for all of us. Help us to prepare our hearts for worship tomorrow. And we pray it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.